Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like everybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. That was a really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm ready. You know, I wish I thought of that. I never thought of even one bit. How did you do that? I said, glad you're training your train. I wish I had the courage to follow my train. Good morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people out there. You're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals to share helpful information and resources. You know, if I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there cannot make some of the many mistakes I've made, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. I don't know about you, but I've found being an entrepreneur is confusing sometimes, often lonely. You have no idea some days if you're on the right track or not or where to turn for good advice. So every week on the show, I have guests who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest is Kim Meckwood. She's the founder and owner of an up and coming small business called Click and Carry, who joins me this week to share her journey as an entrepreneur so far. Kim has had plenty of ups and downs, and I think she'll share a little bit about some of those and I'm sure some of hard-earned advice that she's uh, gathered along the way for other entrepreneurs out there. She's been featured on Shark Tank. She won the five-minute pitch. And Redbook Magazine recently featured the Click and Carry as one of its top stocking stuffer gifts under $20. Her product is sold through Amazon and now through Lowe's.com. And she successfully expanded her business internationally, selling into England and Japan. Her company regularly donates to Canine Companion, an organization that helps people with disabilities with highly trained assistance dogs. Kim, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thank you, Doris. I'm thrilled to be here. What an honor. I am delighted to have you. As I mentioned before the show, you have lived an insanely full life, and I have a feeling that's just how you tackle the world each and every day. But, you know, before we get into that, talk a little bit about your business. What is Click and Carry? How did it come to be? Who are, who are your target customers? Perfect. Well, so Click and Carry is a simple handle device that helps shoppers to manage and carry multiple bags at once comfortably, either in your hands because there's a comfy gel grip or over your shoulder for a hands-free carry. So I invented it for groceries, but the funny thing is people use it for so many other reasons now. It's used for paint cans and construction pails, for dry cleaning, as a skibu tote. You could use it for sports equipment, walk multiple dogs at once. And then once you get it home, you could twist it open and actually use it as a stand for your phone or your iPad. So there's <laughs> so many different reasons to use it. And, and I get more reasons every day. I'm sure that must be fun just hearing all the different ways people use it. 
Oh, it's a blast. I love it. I, I And I only find these reasons because people will send me pictures. I encourage my customers to send me videos or pictures. And that's how I found out about all these new fun uses. So it's lovely when that happens. In fact, I just received, I just received a, a video. It's going to be posted on Instagram on Friday. There is a woman and she has RA, which is rheumatoid arthritis, and she's missing a limb on the one side. And she uses her short arm to open up the click and carry and to use it over her shoulder. It's just amazing. And she's so happy with it. And it just fills me. It makes me so happy when I see customers and for reasons you don't expect for it to be used. I'm just, it's just an honor for me. So the reason I invented it is because I used to have this great boyfriend and um, we lived in an upstairs apartment in Los Angeles. And when I would be done grocery shopping, I would call him and he would come down and grab all the bags. And then when we broke up, I had to bring in my own groceries and it was such a pain in the butt. So I knew there had to be a better way. And I came up with the idea of clicking carry. So that's how it became a, a thing. Wow. Well, you make it sound so simple though, but there's a lot involved with something even as simple sounding as what you're talking about. I mean, you have to have a design uh, and you can't just, you know, like kind of sketch it out on a a sketch pad. Um, You need to, I don't know much about, it's. I assume it's plastic, right? It is, it's ABS plastic and the comfy gel grip is um, something called TPR. And to your point, you're right. It wasn't easy. It took years and years, um, but it was very fun. I I come from a background of pharmaceuticals and the medical device industry. And at this point in my life, I was actually um, selling a drug that was just a slight iteration to an, an old gold standard. So there really wasn't a lot of science to talk to the physicians about. I worked with neurologists and So I would tell them about my idea and one in particular who happens to be one of my best friends, her name is Dr. Jennifer Huey. She's a movement disorder specialist, which means she's a neurologist at USC and she works predominantly with Parkinson's patients and essential tremor patients. And um, she would say to me, Kim, uh, will you shut up and stop talking about it and do something about it? So I did. I actually um, hired her her neighbor at the time she was living in Pasadena and she had an upstairs neighbor who was getting her master's in product design at the Pasadena Design School. Yep. And the beautiful part about that is that Audrey knew how to do 3D CAD printing and the Pasadena Design School had access to a 3D CAD printer. If I had paid for a CAD printed design at the time, it probably would have been a couple of thousand dollars. But because the school had access, I paid about $200 per iteration. And I went through nine iterations before I came upon the winner. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And wow. The- so $1,800 was the super cheap version of it. Exactly. And that was, that was, that was the winning uh, version. In fact, it's funny because initially the initial design that I had that was sketched on paper looks, it it still looks the same, but what would happen is it looks kind of like a boomerang without a top. And when you set it down, the bags would pop out. So I knew that there had to be a top to hold the bags into place. So the next iteration had a magnet 
And then it slowly evolved to being a twisting mechanism. It was designed after actually a barrette that inspired me. And so now it's all one unit. It forms an X. So it's you can easily load and unload bag handles or purse handles or sports equipment handles. So it it evolved along the way. It took a little bit of time. But what I would love to tell all the entrepreneurs out there is there's so many amazing resources out in, in your community. For example, I hired a student from the Passionate Design School, but there's the SBA, there are all kinds of colleges with engineering departments or design departments, art departments, um, there's SCORE, SBA, um, there's the Patent and Trademark Resource Center, so it could help you to do a patent search to help you to design uh, or draw your renderings for your patents. So there are a lot of amazing resources out there. You don't have to put a lot of money into your project. You can be smart. Wow. Well, let's talk about the manufacturing process. Now, that's no small matter either. Like I said, I don't know much about plastic manufacturing, but usually you either have to have you have to have some kind of a mold usually. Yeah. And, and those are not always cheap to do either. Um, and you got to find somebody reputable to make it. So talk a little bit about that process. Sure. So that's another happy mistake that kind of fell into my lap. Um, like I said, I live in a condo in Los Angeles and across the hall for me was this guy, um, his name is Stuart, and he worked for Thai. That's the company that makes Beanie Babies. And uh-huh. he actually set me up with a, a Chinese manufacturer and I made my first mold. It was about $5,000, but I had to make the mold because I wanted to make sure that my 3D CAD rendering would work. Right. And there were some- You got to have, have a prototype basically, right? Exactly. So the, the 3D rendering was perfect, but that doesn't mean it's going to hold the weight. It's not going to actually be functioning. So I made the mold and it was $5,000 and- it didn't work. There were a few problems. Oh, no. mm-hmm. But luckily I was able to modify the mold and I made some, some necessary changes. And actually the good news is it led to my second utility patent because of the modifications that I had made. So I was able to produce the product. And then once I had the mold in place and I knew I had a viable product, that's when I went to a patent attorney to file a patent. Um, my first patent. I have two utility patents on the click and carry, but um, it's interesting because I've since gone to a different manufacturer and I love my new manufacturer, except they keep raising my prices, but they helped me to redesign the product where I can reduce the amount of weight and plastic used in my product. So now my product is only 3.5 ounces. So that not only saves the customer, they'll have something very lightweight to hold in their purse or in their pocket, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot less expensive to ship it to the United States because I saved, shaved about up an ounce and a half off of the original weight of my product. Well, and it takes less raw materials too. So exactly good for the environment. I'm sure it it, um, you know, it costs less to slightly less to make as well. That's exactly right. Uh, well, I wouldn't say less, but, but it's, it's <laughs> well, theoretically you would think it would, but I don't know, especially with COVID, has your product been affected by all the supply chain issues? Yes, of course. Um, But the interesting thing is I ordered my product, my most recent full container load. It was the first time I ever 
ordered a full container. So that is about 63,000 clicking carries, which is crazy to me. Wow. It, it is. It's crazy. It was a big, big financial investment. And I ordered it in June. And then literally two weeks later, CVS wanted to carry it. Sadly, that deal has fallen through. They decided to go with the beauty product, but perhaps I'll be on their shelves next year. But then I ordered another 12,000. So I shipped the this 12,000 first, I had to rush order that because it was still a go at the time with CVS. Oh so, no. I know. Don't worry. I'll, it'll work out. It always does. And I made it in the CVS red, which is also the target red. So hopefully target will be my new, new account in the meantime. I, so the good news is I ordered all of those products in June. So I, I was able to receive the 12,000 I made for CVS to my 3PL in um, September. And then I just received my full container load in October. So I'm all set for the holiday season. I have a lot of clicks. That's good. Look, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, making sure you had plenty of inventory really required people to order way, way in advance. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's just not what happened for a lot of small companies. And and I've been reading about how small companies especially are being squeezed with these supply chain issues because you just don't carry the, the same cloud as as a Target, Target or, a or Amazon or Walmart or something, right? That's absolutely true. And it was very expensive to ship at this time. I mean, I can't believe how expensive it was to get it into the United States this time around. It's heartbreaking. But, you know, that's the cost of business, I guess. I guess. Does it make you think about? Um, does it make you think about trying to source products from the U.S. at all? Yeah. Yes, I've actually looked into that several times, but sadly, it's still so much more expensive to produce in the United States. So, I think that once I'm an established brand. I will make a more expensive version and perhaps with different material so that I can make a United States version. I'd prefer to have a U.S. uh, manufactured product, but unfortunately right now I just can't afford it. Yeah, isn't that a sad, that's a sad commentary. It sure is. All this stuff takes money, even if you find and are are very creative and clever, which is clear you are in terms of finding alternatives and resources that are out there that are inexpensive or, you know, maybe not even uh, traditional, but, but things like filing for patents and paying patent attorneys, I know are not cheap and CAD drawings and molds and the cash flow to operate a business. Talk about the funding piece of this from your perspective. Were you self-funded or did you have funding from the beginning? Have you, do you have investors? How did that work? Yeah, I'm self-funded. Um, I've, I've done it all myself. I've, I've borrowed some money, but for the most part, I, I'm self-funded. And um, that's why my business grew so slowly because I'm, I'm single and a homeowner in Los Angeles. So I always had to work a full-time job to pay for that. So with all of my extra money, I put it into Click and Carry, which has been an expensive endeavor, but it's starting to pay off now. And now it's my full-time job. So hopefully, knock wood, the success continues so that I can continue to work on Click and Carry full-time because I have two new inventions coming out. out. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to finish them right now, but maybe after the holiday season, I'll have time to tie that 
Endeavor up and uh, launch the two new products, which attach to the click and carry. They're going to be awesome. Cool. Well, I want to talk about two pieces of that. First is, um, is how you found your customers. So I know you mentioned that you sell on Amazon, and I, I saw that somewhere else when I was doing a little research for the show. And I know you mentioned to me that they're now on Lowe's.com, but how did all that how did all that happen? I mean, was Amazon really kind of the first break or, um, you know, just t- talk about that, the, the sales and marketing side of things. Sure. So I, I started small. I would do tr- um, farmer's markets and the Pasadena Rose Bowl market, uh, the Rose Bowl flea market. And it led to some local grocery stores. And then I was in Ralph's, which is a division of Kroger and a couple of their stores, about a hundred of their stores. And that led to um, the container store. I was in the container store for about four years. Um, unfortunately, I'm not in the container store any longer, but I, I plan to be back there one day soon. And um, then last year I had a huge PR hit by being on Shark Tank. So I've added quite a few retailers now and I'll explain how I did it. But right now I'm on, um, well, I'm onboarding for Lowe's.com. I'm going to be a Meyer, which is a grocery store in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. M-E-I-E-R, right? M-E-I-J-E-R, Yes. I'm going to be in 110 of their stores. Um, I'm in Kroger.com. I'm onboarding for ByeByeBaby.com. And I sure hope that moves into the store because this is the perfect product for moms. And I'm on Amazon and I have my own website. And um, the way I found most of those retailers is through rangeme.com and ECRM, which is basically like a dating service for buyers. Um, it's oh, one of those situations. I've one of those. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's one of those um where the from the buyer's perspective, it's we'll call you, don't call us. So you could basically put your wares on there. You have one chance every year to send them your product. Or you could do trade shows. And I did a virtual trade show in May. And that's how I onboarded with all of these companies, including CVS and then Zulily. And I'm already on QVC. So um, it's just been a a godsend for me. And I'm actually doing an impulse show with the same company, ECRM slash RangeMe in January. So I'm hoping to meet with Target and Walmart and places like that, because this will be a natural in their stores in the impulse lane. What is impulse? I don't even know what that is. Oh, impulse is um, basically what you would see at checkout. For example, click and carry is one of those things where you're in line, you're waiting, and it's if it's like the gum, the batteries. So it's merchandise. If if click and carry ideally were merchandise next to reusable bags, it would be a perfect impulse product because they could see that, hey, this is to be used with reusable bags or plastic bags or your purse. And it would be right at checkout where they need it because they're going to be ideally walking away with a huge basket of product from the grocery store, from Walmart or Target. So they would need a click and carry to carry all those bags home. Oh, I had no idea there was a process for that. I just assumed there was some little target marketing department at, you know, at target.com and they, 
went, well, what would people like to buy as they walk out? And they just kind of look at their inventory and go, yeah, gum, yeah, condu, yeah, you know, uh, wrapping paper, no, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I had no idea there was a whole, um, a whole trade show process around it. Yep. -er. <laughs> wow. Um there are so many different departments. So for example, let's say, let's say Target, they probably have thousands of buyers. There's, there's probably a toothpaste and um, mouthwash buyer. That's how differentiated it is and how fine-tuned and niche they become. Well, that makes it tough for businesses like you, because mm -hmm. I mean, are you in the paint department or are you in the <laughs> You know, the impulse aisle or are you in the baby, uh, you know, baby aisle? I, I mean, yes, yes. Know. And yes, I know that's, that's, that is the dilemma because it's, and that's why I was awarded a utility pen because it's new and useful, but it doesn't really fit into a category. So for example, I have a good friend and she invented this, this, it's called the buttery dish. It's amazing. It's the special butter dish that doesn't get the, make a mess of the butter all over the place. And it allows you to leave it out because butter can be left out for three hours. Well, she fits in a category and I don't. So that does make it more difficult, but on a bright note, it also makes me, um, able to sell more because I fit into so many different categories. So for example, at Lowe's, I will be in the paint department once I get into the stores and impulse front end. So I would, ah. and it could even fit into another department where people are carrying wires or tool bags. So click and carry kind of fits into so many different categories, but it doesn't fit into just one or have a main one. Unfortunately, it depends on the, it depends on the retailer. But how you, you figure out what the best fits are for, for your product. I mean, you know, it strikes me, you, you could spend a lot of time kind of throwing things against the wall and hoping one of them are more stick. Um, but how, you know, how do you go about figuring out what, what's the right way for your product? I mean, it, you know, people think of Amazon, but, I suppose Amazon, in fact, I'm pretty sure, has some pros and cons. I mean, talk a little bit about Amazon in particular. Sure. So the funny thing is I never I never viewed it as a real good channel for clicking carry. And I, right before I went on Shark Tank, I was in that five-minute pitch contest. And in addition to winning $50,000, I won mentorship from the four guys who were judges. They're all uh -oh. amazing in the e-commerce space. They're amazing. And I, I went to Texas and I worked with them for eight hours. And I told them, I said, I never really saw Amazon as a viable channel, e-commerce, that I need to be in 6,000 retail doors. And they, at the end of the eight hours, agreed with me that being in retail stores is the way to go. But unbeknownst to me, because of the Shark Tank, Click and Carry kind of just took off on Amazon. And I've sold so much on Amazon thanks to Shark Tank. I really believe that's what really gave me the PR that I needed. But now it's a really consistent sales channel for me. And I, I've been selling quite a bit there. And then when I take that information, when I take that data and I give it to the retailers, they're more likely to bring me on board because I have consistent sales on Amazon. So it's been a happy surprise for me that Amazon is going well. That is absolutely great. 
what are some of the things people should think about in terms of selling on Amazon? Oh, boy. Well, so I have a unique product. A lot of people, they'll take an old gold standard and make a slight modification, source the product and then sell it. And they'll sell a whole bunch of different items. And right now I'm just selling the one item and I really need to expand that. But um, I have to say um, selling on Amazon, one of the things that I've done because I don't have the time, nor do I have the energy to learn that the beast that is Amazon. So I actually hired someone to help me with my product listings and using the right keywords and with advertising because I just don't have the time to do it. So I've heard from others that that is, it's a real art form because, you know, you click in something and if your product doesn't show up pretty much on the first page and have great reviews, you're going to go nowhere, right? Exactly. And, and honestly, I think that if I didn't have that big PR hit with Shark Tank, I don't know that I would have been doing as well as I'm doing now. It's, it's been consistent and I knock wood, I hope it continues, but I, I just, I knew enough to know that I couldn't tackle that beast that I needed to tackle getting into the retailers. So I outsourced that. And I'm so thankful that I did. It's just, I wish I understood a whole lot more about Amazon and I'm being patient with myself and I'm learning a little bit every day. So I I continue to go on and try to learn. And I pick the brains of the people that I hire to, to help me with listings and whatnot and, and keyword searches. And I have them teach me tricks, but, um, but it's one of those things that I just, I can't do it full time. I have to, I, I have too many other good viable channels, like the retail stores and promotional products industry and affiliates and um, um, influencers. That's another great channel for me. Well, I'm sure it is. And I definitely want to talk about that. I'm curious about some of the other channels like uh, Lowe's.com and, you know, you mentioned Kroger. What should people be aware of if they're trying to sell through those channels? Just in terms of time and things that you need to, to dedicate yourself to that maybe you didn't expect going into it. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a, a great question, Doris, because um, when we spoke this morning, I told you I was about to cry. And that's because I'm, I'm onboarding for Lowe's.com. It's so intense. It's um, the onboarding process is ridiculous. I'm I'm working with three different groups. One is called, um, it's a syndicate. One is lowslink.com. And then there's another marketing team. And so far it's taken me about three to four weeks to really put everything in. I'm, I'm not completed yet, but I'm inching closer and closer to the process. But I often wonder if it's something that these retailers do to separate the, the strong from the weak, because any normal person would have given up weeks ago, but I really want to be in Lowe's. And although it's just Lowe's.com, it's a great way for me to show Lowe's that I am I have a good product and hopefully my sales will be great. And then they'll ultimately bring me into their stores. But holy cow, I wish I had enough money to hire someone to outsource to do the paperwork for me. Um, and it was similar with Kroger. Kroger took a lot of work and effort, but um, they're 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 Kroger.com 
program is newer. So it was a little more streamlined and they outsourced to another country where I worked with someone from, I want to say she was from Thailand. So that was a lot more smooth than the Lowe's process. The Lowe's process is intense, but I'll get there one day. It's, it's worth the effort because then I'll be in these amazing big box retailers. It's tough when you're a very small business. I'm sure they're used to dealing with you know, bigger companies, if you're Alibaba, you can probably figure out how to do it because you have people on board who are able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Kim, hang on to your thoughts for just a second. We need to take a quick break for station identification and work from a few of our sponsors. But folks, stay tuned. We will be right back with my guest this week, Kim Meckwood, talking about the story of her company, Click and Carry. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. My guest this week is Kim Meckwood. She's the founder of Click and Carry, a small but up-and-coming product uh, consumer product company. And she's here with me this week to talk about some of the ups and downs and ins and outs. Well, you know, Kim, we, we've kind of danced around some of the um, um, questions that I'm sure my listeners are dying to hear about. Because, you know, you, you mentioned you were self-funded. It's a challenge because being self-funded can limit your growth and in some cases just flat out cause cash flow problems. But you, you are very creative and have done a couple of interesting things. One is obviously Shark Tank, and I'm sure people are dying to hear about what it was like to be on Shark Tank. I think I saw somewhere you had the record for a number of attempts to try to be on the show. Is that right? It is. Yeah. I, I applied seven or eight times. It was, I, I was not going to stop. I was very persistent. I just love that show. And I, I knew it would be the perfect vehicle to get the word and message about Click and Carry out there. It was, it, it was magic. Well, it's an interesting show, and I guess what it proves is even if you don't win, it's still phenomenal advertising for the businesses who are are on the show, right? Absolutely, and there's so many ancillary benefits that come from Shark Tank as well. For example, on Mondays, I meet with other entrepreneurs who've been on the show. Not all of us, but we all have a special group on Facebook about 10 to 15 of us meet weekly and it's wonderful because entrepreneurship can be lonely and it's a great way for us to share best practices or if one has a problem, some chances are someone in our group has a solution or an idea or a connection. So it's just, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing experience and the friends that I've met along the way has been phenomenal. Wow. It's so, so basically there's a, a, a mastermind group of former Shark Tank participants. Yep. That is very cool. I would never have guessed that. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so much fun. Well, so what, what was it everything you had hoped for being on the show? Um, I was so nervous. I was so excited to be there. I mean, like you said, I held the record, so I don't know if I should be embarrassed or <laughs> no, you should You should be proud because being an entrepreneur is about sometimes digging your heels in when you know it's the right thing to do and just being stubborn as hell and I guess so (laughs) yeah you're right and I always say no is just no for now so I kept coming back but um 
It was an amazing experience. It was about the scariest and most exciting day of my life. I was so nervous. I actually ran out of saliva. And luckily, <laughs> I did. I, um, I, 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 oh, I had nothing left. At one point, Lori asked me a question. I said, hold on, Lori. And I totally left the stage. Luckily, I had hit a, hidden a bottle of water off stage. And you're not supposed to leave the stage. But I just, I couldn't help it. I honestly could not talk anymore. I'm surprised that a show like that, couldn't they afford to give people a bottle of water for heaven's sake? Seriously. Um, I, I, guess, I guess they just want to get you, get you on camera for the least amount of time possible. But I was there for 50 minutes. Um, wow. I, my eight and a half minutes was cut down to about, uh, or yeah, my eight and a half was cut down from about 50, but um, everyone was laughing because I decided to leave the stage to have a gl glass of water. But um, I thought for sure that would make it to air and it didn't. I was shocked because I don't, you're not supposed to do that. It's the, the biggest no-no. So well, there you go. But again, you're stubborn. So you're like, <laughs> you know, I need a glass of water. I don't care about your stupid rule. Honestly, <laughs> I need to do this, you know, for us to be able to continue to film this show. So, mm -hmm. well, you know, it was interesting. Uh, one of the little clips I saw, I didn't get to see the show itself. I, I probably watch less TV than most human beings that I know. But I, I did get to see a little clip of it where they were offering you um, a pretty low ball offer for your business. I mean, I, I, I look to me like you didn't really seriously consider that. I didn't. I, and in fact, I think Barbara was, um, testing me to see what, where my heart was. I really think that low ball offer was a test because if you continue to watch, um, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Wonderful said, oh, I really like Barbara's offer. And she looked at him and said, that's because it's a lowball offer. So she knew what she was doing. I really think she was testing me to see where my heart was. Yeah. Well, and I think, you, you, you know, given the fact that you've got all these new channels, um, ironically, she lowball offers you this, but uh, the show platform itself provided you with channels that are way beyond uh, the, the kind of money she was talking about. Absolutely. It's, it's been a, gods, a godsend. So the, the moral of the story is it was worth being persistent and, and knocking on Shark Tank's door because just the publicity from the show alone was amazing. It's interesting because it turns out it's more difficult to get on Shark Tank than it is to get into Harvard. Apparently, 40,000 really? people apply every year. Yes. And I think about 300 make it to work with the producers. And I think probably about 150 people film and maybe about 100 make it to air. It's it's oh, wow. It's quite a process. So I'm really proud of that. You should be. I guess it's, you know, what kind of people should think about being on Shark Tank, do you think, having been through this process and and being a, a big fan of it? Gosh, I would have to say um, anyone who needs a bunch of eyes on their product. Um, so for me, I, I knew that I believe that the viewership was about three million people watch Shark Tank every week, but then now it's um shown on Hulu. So people um by the way I could see my episode which was season 12 episode eight on Hulu. 
But um, anyone who is, who is interested in getting funding, number one, anyone who's interested in getting publicity and getting the product message and awareness out there, and um, anyone who sees any of those sharks as mentors and potential guides. I feel like you need to have a bit of fixed skin, though, too, to be able to um, come out from the experience with a lot of positives. Yeah, it, I, it was a fantastic experience. And um, the, the funny thing is I actually didn't make it to air when I filmed it. I, if, if you'll notice, I was on season 12, which was the first season during COVID, but my episode was shot pre-COVID. Ah, mm-hmm. interesting. And, yep. And one of the coolest things is um, the executive producer called me to tell me that my year I didn't make it to air. And then fast forward a couple of months, he called me to tell me that I did make it to air, that ABC had bought my episode. And I I just look at that as something very special because I could tell that I must have made an impression with Clay for him to go out of his way because he I don't think he calls the the I don't think he calls the candidates for Shark Tank. I, he's he's this is his show. So for him to call me and to pick up a phone and to reach out to me, I, I just felt really flattered and I I respect him so much. And I, I felt really honored that he did that he did that. And I was thrilled that my episode ultimately did make it to air. And I'm coming up on my year anniversary. It was December 11th of last year. Wow. And Mm-hmm. So it's been a full year of the exposure from that show and all of the wonderful benefits from being on that show. And um, and I'm just so thankful to Clay for that opportunity. It was incredible. Well, it's obviously a very something very special for an entrepreneur and, and in your personal life, too. I mean, it's something that not a lot of people can say and certainly gets people's attention, which is great. You know, I'm pretty impressed with your winning the five-minute pitch competition. It seems like a lot of people are focused on, oh, I got to find angel investors or I need to find venture capital money. I don't know. Maybe that's because of a lot of media play about, you know, some of these tech unicorns maybe. But, you know, the reality is a lot more pedestrian, I think, for most startup businesses. And I'm constantly surprised because I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. I at how few people mention to me that they're really targeting pitch competitions. Talk about a little bit about that process. I mean, how did you decide to focus on this pitch competition? Did you apply to other pitch competitions? Uh, you know, what did you what did you learn, and what recommendations would you offer to other people? who are looking at pitch competitions for funding. So that one um, was referred to me by my former coworker at Medtronic. My friend Jacinda called me. I was actually working in Hawaii at the time. And um, she called me and told me about this podcast she listened to. The four guys who were the judges are all big gurus in the e-commerce space. They're amazing. They're brilliant guys. So I didn't know much about e-commerce or or even about their podcasts, but I entered the competition and I used my Shark Tank audition tape as my entry. And um, it was, first of all, it was great experience for me because it helped me to hone in on my pitch. And um, 
I met some great friends who are, I'm still great friends with to this day who are my competitors. Um, I'm going to actually be seeing them at one of, one of the judges seminars in May. I'm going to see uh, two of the four competitors. It was just a great way to go about it. And the $50,000 really came in handy because I used it for inventory before my Shark Tank episode aired. So that was a really nice uh, boost to buy my inventory. Wow, that worked out great. It really did. But I enter all these different contests because um, you could win prizes. For example, I last summer, um, I entered a WBENC contest. I'm in the Women-Owned Business Network. It's the National Council for Women in Business. And by the way, for all the women entrepreneurs out there, I advise you to get involved with WBENC because so many big companies, for example, Disney, Walmart, Target, they have to work with a certain number of diversity owned businesses. And as a woman and owning more than 51% of my company, I'm considered diverse. And there's kind of a backdoor into different retailers if you're certified as being diverse and with WBENC, you're diverse. Um, So last year I was in a competition. I wasn't the winner. The winner ended up with $20,000, but I won $2,000. I was one of um, one of the three runner ups. And um, it's just a great way to, to find some additional funding. Plus there are grants that you can apply for. There's something called Hello Alice, which is another great way for women entrepreneurs to find uh, grants in their area or, um, there's right now there's one for the African-American community. So sometimes there's different ones for the New England area. There, there are all kinds of different grants available. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the call, contact SCORE, where you can find an um, a mentor who is someone in most cases at SCORE, they're usually retired CEOs or business executives who can give you yeah. amazing advice. And I, am a, I am a SCORE mentor, by the way. So I'm are you? I am. I Congratulations. Am. I, think, I think it's amazing that you're giving back like that. I love my SCORE mentors and I'm proud of you. Um, thank you. Uh, it's been a great learning experience. I think I've learned as much from my... Um, my fellow mentors, as I have from even from the entrepreneurs, but I, I'm just constantly amazed at the breadth of ideas that people have to mm-hmm. make a business. It's it's remarkable, honestly. The testimony to American ingenuity or and just human creativity. I agree. I know we're we're lucky that we're here for that reason. Yeah. Well, all right. So pitch competitions, um, great way to get a little cash, refine your pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even get some pretty high level feedback about your product and your business model, right? Yes. It, it For me, boy, that five minute pitch really worked wonders. The prize money was great, but it was more the mentorship that really helped me out. They helped me with my my due diligence paperwork for the sharks. How do you find out about pitch competitions? And, you know, having been part of them, what advice would you give to people who are looking to maybe get some money and some feedback through pitch competitions? There, there are usually so many that are local. For example, where I lived, when I first started out, there was something called the Dolphin Tank at um, one of the local colleges. It was Cal State Dominguez Hills. 
Um, then some other schools. So, so for example, I judge a competition every year. It's been for the last seven years at USC. Each year they do a competition for a huge prize. I believe it's $85,000. It's called the wow. Lloyd. Yes, it's the Lloyd Grave competition. Now, granted, it's for students or recent grads of USC. There are so many different places that you can go and find these competitions. And every year they give out 85,000 to the winner, but they give out a total of 150,000 at USC. But that's just, that's amazing. That's someone that's probably getting some credits for their course and moving ahead in their business at the same time. They're killing two birds. Right, right. I know here in this area, I know uh, the University of Wisconsin and the state of Wisconsin sponsor, uh, you know, a competition they call the Governor's Entrepreneur Award or something like that. It's a pretty nice prize and lots of media attention and, you know, get to shake the governor's hand. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe not. I have no idea. (laughs) But but it's pretty prestigious. And um, I know that the people who participated, many of whom have participated more than one year in it, love the connections they've made and the exposure and just feedback that they've gotten to help them refine their business model and maybe even think about some different angles that they never even would have thought about on their own. Absolutely. That's why it it helps to get involved in those competitions. You're just going to move your business forward and learn so much. Reading between the lines of your story, Kim, it's that you need to be prepared to just jump into the unknown. And when the opportunity comes to just grab it. Absolutely. Uh, And you sound like someone who is pretty fearless about doing all those things. You have to be. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I Like I said earlier, no is just no for now. That's really the truth. <laughs> the worst that you can hear is a no, right? And then you yes. have Right. Talk about what you're planning to do with your business next and how you're planning to grow it and move it to probably the next level or two. Sure. So I actually have two new inventions coming and their attachments, their strapping systems that attach to the click and carry. So with the one attachment, you can carry oblong objects like a stand-up paddleboard, a surfboard, a ladder for the construction industry. And the other is for more um, difficult items to lift, especially I'm a small girl. So I have this special attachment that I could carry a case of water bottles into my house and use my hip as an anchor so it doesn't feel as heavy instead of carrying it in my extremities in front of me I could use my hip Mm. or switch sides if my shoulder starts to hurt so I'm bringing those to market and I'm really excited about that so I um, I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor and I, I sadly just got hit again in June. So I had a surgery in June and then radiation in August. So it kind of sent me back a little bit with click and carry, but I made a special pink ribbon breast cancer click and carry, and I'm going to be donating a dollar, actually 10%, a little bit more than a dollar of each of the sales to the NBCC, which is the national breast cancer coalition. And um, they're actually right now working on research that would be able to stop 
cancer in its tracks. It's very similar to the um, mRNA system that is used for our, our COVID vaccinations. It's going to be a very similar system. So they're working on some cures for breast cancer. So I'm selling those click and carry pink ribbon in hopes that the donation that I make can help them advance their cause. That is phenomenal, Kim. It's really inspiring, and I hope everybody listening looks for those pink click and carry items, knowing what a great cause that they're going to support. Thanks, Dora. Um, yeah. You also support Canine Companions. That's a pretty cool cause, too. Absolutely. I, I found them. <laughs> this is such a weird story, but I was out. I think house. all entrepreneur stories are weird. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think that's, that sort of, you know, goes with the territory. Oh boy. It, this is, it's crazy. Yeah. I have the weirdest life, but I was at my house and my friend Lana called me. She said, you're not going to believe this, but I just saw a dog with sunglasses and a cap using a clicking carry. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, um, it, it was so strange. And it was the funny thing is it was a special one that I made for an Irish grocery chain. So I don't know how this guy ended up getting that clicking carry or how he taught his dog to use the clicking carry, but he did. So that dog's name is Cole and Cole introduced me to this other surfing dog. They both surf as well, Charlie. So <laughs> Charlie and Cole, not only do they surf, but they carry the clicking carry. So they'll bring their own uh, drink to the beach. And through them, I met Canine Companions and Canine Companions is awesome because they teach Labrador retrievers 40 different tricks to help their handicapped human. And one of the things they're trying to teach the dogs is how to carry things for their human with a click and carry. That is is an amazing story. Isn't that cute? I I don't, I have two little dogs though. I, 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 I might have to have like a Nail down freaking carry. So <laughs> I don't know. I'll make a mini one for them. <laughs> yeah, mini, mini ones, exactly. Talk a little bit about what a day in the life is like for you. What kind of things do you deal with? Just to give some of those wannabe entrepreneurs that are listening out there an idea of, of whether this might this this crazy entrepreneur thing might really be for them. Well, there are good days and bad days. So I wish I had more time to create and invent. I don't. Um, I hope to get to that point soon. But right now, it's a whole lot of paperwork and um, trying to schlep my product, preparing for trade shows, interacting with the different retailers to try to get into their stores. Um, I'm going to be doing a Christmas um, market, an outdoor Christmas market here in Pennsylvania. I'm staying with my family right now since the radiation. Um, I'm going to do an outdoor market and I'm going to dress as the click and carry fairy and try to get some, (laughs) I'm going to try to get some footage because I, even though I'm too old for TikTok, I need to get on TikTok because that's really the new wave of the future and way to sell your product. So get some footage and um, whether it be selling the click and carries or seeing someone in need with many, many bags and swooping in like a superhero as the click and carry fairy and saving them and giving them a free click and carry. So that's, you basically always have to be selling. So 
whether it's the paperwork, the answering the emails, the checking of your sales with Amazon and making sure your orders are fulfilled. That's what a typical day entails. What would you say has been the hardest thing about having your own business? Not having enough money to to hire more people and doing it all by myself. But on a bright note, when I do become successful enough to be able to hire some real help, I know every aspect of the business. So I'll be able to put that information into their hands. Whereas if people start with a ton of money and are able to hire people for different jobs within the company, they don't know every aspect of the business. And that's one advantage that I do have, but I'm still doing it all on my own. So for example, my sister just retired. She was a special ed teacher and she said she could help me and wants to help me, but I don't have the time just yet to teach her, especially because it's the holiday season. So, so in January, I'm, I'm hoping to impart some of that knowledge onto her and take some of the jobs off of me. And I'm really thankful that she's willing to do so. Well, the other part is, is that you haven't given away a significant chunk of the ownership of your company. That certainly is something that a refrain I've heard from a number of entrepreneurs who have gotten that wonderful funding, but it comes with strings. And a lot of times you don't always get to call the shots about depending on who's invested in the company and how much, you lose a lot of autonomy. And uh, there are certainly entrepreneurs that I know who probably wish they'd thought about that piece of it a little more. So, you know, like everything in life, there's there's pros and there's cons, right? Mm-hmm. Last question for you, looking back on your journey, what advice would you give yourself or what would you advise other entrepreneurs who are just starting on their journey, particularly women entrepreneurs? I would say, don't listen to the naysayers. I had so many people, Doris, along the way who said, oh, no one needs that. That's not necessary. And thank God I didn't listen to them because I just received um, a video testimonial from one of my customers and she was born um, with one limb and she has RA, so rheumatoid arthritis and her other, her other arm is cut off about at the elbow. And she sent me a video of herself using the click and carry and putting two big heavy bags over her shoulder. And it just inspired me. That's what it's for. I, I invented click and carry to make life a little bit easier. And I made her life a little bit easier. That's so rewarding. That's worth all the effort and time and energy. Yeah. Well, there will be naysayers, that's for sure, particularly for, I think, women entrepreneurs. There are studies showing that women entrepreneurs in general have often self-confidence issues, and it's often made worse by the fact that, for whatever reason in our society, stereotypes are, oh, it's scary and risky for women to do that. And so it's kind of a one-two whammy punch for a lot of us women entrepreneurs. So I think you're absolutely right. Don't listen to the naysayers and surround yourself with people who can be your cheerleaders, right? Absolutely. We all need the cheerleaders and eventually you'll get there. Do a little bit every day and you're going to get there. You will. Well, I knew the time was going to fly by, Kim, (laughs) given all the things that you've been up to. It's amazing. Thank Why you. should people reach you 
if they're interested in learning more about Click and Carry, or maybe they just want to know more about your product, maybe they want to carry your product, maybe they want to find places to buy it, how should they connect with you and the company? Thank you for asking that. So they can go to my website, clickandcarry.com. There's a place where you can send me an email or you can even just contact me at my click and carry email, which is Kim at clickandcarry.com. It's C-L-I-C-K-A-N-D-C-A-R-R-Y.com. I'm also on LinkedIn as Kimberly Meckwood. And I always encourage entrepreneurs to reach out to me. I have had so much help along the way that I'm always happy to give back and to answer any questions or help if I'm able to. Phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time this week, Kim. It was really a delight having you. I know you've had so much going on and your business is growing. I just am genuinely grateful for taking a few minutes to share with my listeners the story of your business. It's been a pleasure. And thank you. You did make me smile today. So thank you. I am absolutely glad because we need more smiling and we need more laughing. You made me smile today too. So thank you for that. My pleasure, Doris. I think you're wonderful. And it was a really fun interview. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thanks to all my listeners, because you were the reason that I do this. So I'm always grateful that you're out there. If you have comments or questions, suggestions, or you want to be a guest, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, or just want to shoot the breeze, email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. I promise you'll always get a response back from me. You'll find more helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservicesplural.com, as well as my new radio show website, thesavvyentrepreneur.org. Yes, I finally got around to uh, creating a separate website for the show. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurial.